day, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Psalm Sessions. Uh, it is Miles, and I'm joined by my buddy. You can't buy him, but you can rent him. <laughs> no? I've been working on that one. Keep working. <laughs> Keep working. How's it going, Brent? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm uh, living the dream one it, day at it, a time. It's always a pleasure to uh, ride shotgun with you on the Psalm session. Uh, hey, you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, uh, this is a, a really exciting, awesome, cool, amazing guest that we have today. Uh, we have Mark from Dr. Disc in Hamilton. Who's heard of Dr. Disc? Show of hands. Oh, wait. Can I work for myself? Not, you can. So <laughs> three of three. It's unanimous. Uh, Dr. Disc, Mark, uh, real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank today. you so, so much. And um, uh, your your audience doesn't know, but just before we started, you showed you, you are a veteran Dr. Disc record store customer. It's true. And you showed us a uh, Led, Led Zeppelin slash Van Halen box set you bought <laughs> in 1991 at my store. <laughs> so Zeppelin. thank you so much for your patronage over the years, Mr. Kenny. Uh, no, it's it's, it's it. my pleasure. And I see you've already bought into Miles' little thing of <laughs> calling everything Van Halen Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what, what do you have here, Brent? You, you brought a you brought show and tell today. Yeah, I did. I know it's weird <laughs> yeah. how we can't actually show, but we can definitely <laughs> tell. Uh, right, go ahead and tell. We'll have, a, we'll have a photo op or two afterwards. So this is uh, a limited edition 12-inch box set. Uh, as Mark said, I purchased from his store in 1991 when I was a young lad. Of We won't discuss our ages on the show. So it's a numbered limited edition 12-inch uh, single of Top of the World from the 1991 Van Halen album. Nice. For unlawful carnal knowledge. I'll leave it up to you to put that in an acronym. <laughs> nope, but uh, you're showing me some of the things in it. What what do you got? In yeah, this? there's there's some cool stuff in here. So the 12 inch single, of course. Um, we've got a little enamel uh, badge with you know, Star Trek the pin. Iconic. Uh, I'm just going to keep talking and ignore you. Yeah, Star Trek. The, uh, <laughs> iconic VH. Uh, you know the wings yeah, logo. Like Star Trek. Uh, pin. And also a little sticker there, which no, I've not yet affixed to my car because Star Trek I'm bumper sticker. It's going to be worth something one day. And the coolest thing is, if you actually look at, I even kept. The plastic wrap. Can you hear that? I can. This is the plastic wrap. I even I'm kind of anal that way. This has Mark's own handwriting on it, <laughs> and it is actually stamped uh, with the price tag 1011-1991. So that proves that I have literally been a customer in the store for 27, 28 years. Wow. Yeah, that was. Uh, we opened in '91 downtown Hamilton. Uh, we're still there, obviously. Uh, but our official opening, I believe, was in August, but we opened slightly, like our grand opening was in August 91, and our, um, but we were, we did have a soft open in, um, earlier than that, a few weeks earlier, I believe. So, um, you were in it from the beginning. Day so, one. I'm going to lay claim to being, uh, your first customer. Customer number one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. well. I know who our first customer is, but <laughs> it's not you. and it doesn't look like you, my friend. He wasn't me. Like uh, really, early, early, early day customer, though. Thank yeah. you. Cool. Uh, so, uh, Brent, now this um, Led Zeppelin stuff ties nicely into your uh, your pending vacation because you're going to Led Zeppelin's home away from home, where Robert Plant likes to hang out. And do I have any of that right? Is that- I, I didn't exactly envision it like that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, for purposes of your perspective, we'll, we'll go with that. But, yeah, I'm, uh, 
uh, well, a week away from heading down to my Graceland, Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the home of one Mr. Sammy Hagar. Mr. Sammy. And uh, actually, I think when this podcast airs, I'll very likely be on the beach with a couple of cervezas in my hand. You will. Wow. You'll probably be inundated with all of like your. I I think from this podcast, you've de- you've developed quite a fan club. And uh, now that you've told them where you're going to be, I'm pretty sure you'll be like swarmed on the beach and. Yeah, there's a huge following. I'm kind of celeb status now. You are. It's true. And it, it's, it is vacation season coming up. I've got a trip to the Dominican planned. I'm excited for that. Mark, you going anywhere when it gets cold? Oh, or? Christmas season for me. Christmas. Uh, it's oh, yeah. retail. So this is, I'm sort of opposite you guys, I think. So, right. Yeah, it's my heavy lifting period. And this, this quarter, as they say in, in highfalutin business circles, which I'm not, definitely not in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right, right now through, you know, second week of January, we're, we're pretty busy at the shop, so... I can imagine that. Yeah, that would actually make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I know I've got a big uh, Christmas list that I usually pass on to my lovely wife who mm-hmm. often conspires behind the scenes with you. And uh, I'm sure that there'll probably be a couple of special things under the tree from your store for me. Well, right, actually, right honey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the provided she's listening, Brent. Uh, but no, we, I always try, you know, Brent's uh, not only a customer, um, but a good friend. So, you know, Aww. for my, my good friends uh, who have uh, sort of, let's put it this way, musical fetishes, uh, as Whoa. in Brent's uh, Van Halen fetish. True story. Yeah. Um, I tend to put aside little goodies for him as they come in or as we, 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 we buy a secondhand product off people. So if I get some real oddities in or something that I think he doesn't have, I, I just contact his sa- secret Santa Claus, and uh, sometimes he gets a little bonus under the tree. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious, how have you found, like, with the streaming industry being what it is, is it is it hurting retail in the, like, do people still want the physical, I want my disc, I want my vinyl? It sort of rebounded that way. It, yeah. uh, you know, and our, our principal, um, the majority of our customers um, at one time were college university age, maybe wow. high school to, to college age students and, and young people. And then when Napster and downloading hit, like that segment of our audience was, you know, 90% of the people just disappeared almost overnight. And, you know, it's I, I get it. You know, students are on a limited budget and they're sort of lazier folk, let's say. And so as it would be more convenient for them to stay in their dorm room or their house and download whatever sure. tracks they need for free instead of coming down to, to Dr. Disc or another record store or music store. And um, so that really dropped off. But there's this sort of vinyl resurgence, say, yeah. in the last decade. And, um, you know, that the record industry and all these guys in suits just wanted to to eliminate the middleman, which is me, in favor of just straight digital convenience of being able to just download at your whim any track in the world and not having to leave your house. You don't need a physical format. You just need to, you know, PayPal account or credit card online and away you go. But people sort of, I think, rebelled against that. It's happening in in other industries too, like books and film. You know, people are understand the process of not only listening to music, but consuming art or cultural things. It's a personal experience and it's an often a tactile experience. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people have come back to vinyl and now a new generation, sort of skipped a generation, the newer listeners don't know anything about records or turntables. So it's sort of, it sounds funny, it's really anachronistic, but it's a new technology for them, even though, you know, it's 50, 60 years old, you know, commonality. I I think when you said the word tactile, that's what really did it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a, an avid reader and 
I still don't read, you know, on mm-hmm. an iPad online. Yeah. Yeah. I still like that feeling of having sure. a magazine or a book yeah. in my hand. Yeah. And I'm the same with CDs. You know, I, as you know, I, mm-hmm. I still purchase CDs. And although they've gone away from, you know, the old plastic uh, cases, right, may, right. maybe for environmental mm-hmm. reasons or mm-hmm. others, uh, um, I still like that feeling of having that CD in my hand. Yeah, no, it's really true. And, you know, the the barometer for that is, well, there are two things that come to mind in this conversation that you just mentioned is that one thing is, you know, if you invite someone over to your house to say, hey, check out my book collection or check out my record collection or music collection, what's the point of pointing them towards your iPad? (laughs) You know, there's no relevance, there's no value to that. But if you have a wall of books or carefully curated record collection, not only is it much more impressive, but it somehow imbues those articles with a true value, whether it's an emotional value or whether it's a physical, you know, monetary value. There's some value to that. So I think the value of music has been lost and is sort of creeping its way back. And um, I think the process of listening is very important too. You know, when you're talking about a record, well, let's put take the take the other side of the coin. We're talking about digital. You can click on a button. And you can stream for five, six hours. It, it just blends into the background. Yeah. You know, you're doing your laundry, you're cooking, you're, you're sleeping, whatever. It's just it's background. You don't have to touch it. But when it's an album, for example, or a CD where you have to get up and change that thing, you have to store it, you have to clean it, you have to make sure you don't get your fingerprints on it, it creates a value to the process of listening. So I'm not saying you should be inconvenienced to listen to something, but what I'm saying is the more effort you put into it, whether it's because of the format, the physical format itself, or whether it's because you enjoy the process, for example, developing your own film, the more valuable that experience becomes. So that's, that's the, I think I, those I, are the two I totally things. agree. I'm a, a trained jazz musician. And sure. For me, the uh, when it came to vinyls, like my vinyl collection, it's it's like jazz and opera. Right, and right. for some reason, I have like nine sticks albums. I don't know why I have so oh, many cool. sticks albums, but uh, it's the way it sounds sure. to me, which sure. is important. Those pops and scratches mm-hmm. of vinyl that brings something to it. And I remember in, in university when I uh, I had to put all my vinyls and my uh, my turntables and everything into storage. Uh, there was an app that I downloaded that you would. This wasn't Spotify and things like that weren't there yet, but I still had my playlist on my phone and you could play this app over top of your downloaded playlist and it would add the record dust Mm. and pops to your, and it like, because it's, you know, to me like jazz music and experiencing it, I always picture that. Uh, you know, I, well, this is a terrible, if you don't know the movie, but do you remember who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. yeah, That movie when he's hanging out in that club and it's the red tablecloths and the red velvet everywhere and it's smoky and hazy and Jessica rabbit up on stage. Like that's like my dream club. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so when I listen to jazz music, all of the dust and pops and scratches from the vinyl, it it makes me think of being in the dusty old jazz club, which is mm-hmm. where I want to experience music. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like turning music into that experience that you engage into uh, instead of it just being that yeah. thing in the background. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You become an active participant yeah, in listening. Absolutely. You really do. And that, what you just said reminded me of, there's a really famous DJ who worked for the BBC for decades named John Peel. And when CDs were coming in Vogue, and he, he, his big deal was vinyl. He would play new releases on vinyl. He gets sent advanced copies and when cds became in vogue someone came up to him and said hey you know what you should switch to cds because there's no surface noise and he turned to to the person and said life has surface noise yeah you know so it's all about it's it's it doesn't 
just because it's pristine doesn't make it better. Yeah. It doesn't make it, I think it makes it less real and more artificial. So when you're talking about noise, surface noise or mistakes, like in a concert, if you see a band and they go off the program or yeah. they make an error, that's special. That's unique. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that can never be duplicated versus digital ones and zeros. You know, you can yeah. make the millionth copy sounds exactly the same as the first copy ever, Absolutely. ever made. Yeah. That's so true when they do make mistakes. I sure. was, uh, I was at a concert recently, uh, Ben Kaplan out in oh, yeah. London mm-hmm. and he was in the middle of a song and he was playing maracas while kind of doing piano and maracas and piano and maraca. And he was done with the maracas and he threw them over his shoulder <laughs> and they bounced off the back wall, pinged off the bass player and just went flying away. And they stopped the whole song. Wow. And Ben's laughing. And oh my gosh. The bass player, he looked a little pissed. Like yeah. He had a pretty big full upright bass. He looked a little mad. But you know, the whole thing stopped and everybody's laughing and it was a chuckle. And then, okay, where were we? And they go right back into it. And it was... You're right, though. Those those add the to moments. the experience. Yeah. Yeah. The it's thing real. that drives me crazy at concerts is when bands are on stage and they do the, now you sing it. Oh. I'm like, but no, I didn't pay to hear me yeah, sing it. Yeah, I yeah. want you to do yeah, it. And it's usually yeah. at like the most iconic parts of the song where you want to hear them. And I, like, I remember the Tea Party. I'm a big Tea Party fan. Right. Their song, Temptation. And every time they say Temptation, no, now you. And I'm like, but I want, I want to hear it. I want to hear you yeah, do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the guy next to me or, or Brent. I want I want to hear you do it. I guess part of the audience participation too is an exclusive inclusivity though. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we're one, you know, like it's a feeling of like camaraderie and things like that. I get it, but I, I'm the same way as you. I want if I go to a concert, I don't want to hear the guy singing next to me out of two yeah, or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. So what's what's the best concert you've been to? That, that's tough. It's you know, it's I get asked what's my favorite food or what's the best album, and yeah. that, that's really tough. It really depends on my mood. There have been, you know, uh, a few concerts that I, I could name that uh, you know almost brought me to tears. Um, this shows my age, but one of my favorite bands when I, in the eighties was a band called Shriekback, and um, Barry Andrews. It, it was made up of sort of ex members of of, uh, two iconic British bands called the Gang of Four and XTC, and uh, some of the members came from there. But when I saw them, like this was a really formative time when I was, uh, I think it was eighteen or something like that, and you know it was kind of being chided growing up in Barrie, uh, Ontario, at a small high school, being chided for kind of being this new wave guy and like not liking what everybody else liked. But here I am in a room of, you know, 1,500 people who are all into what I was into in Toronto. And I was just, it was kind of mind-blowing. It's like, all these people are here to see one of my favorite bands. And then the band uh, did this song called Faded Flowers. And it's a super quiet song. You hear a pin drop in the room. And it was just so emotional, you know. And it's because at that time, too, I was trying to find my identity. And music helped shape that. And that's why I'm here today. It's a real part of my core. And um, when, I, when I'm in this room and everybody's being so quiet and respectful of this band that I love and obviously everybody else in the room loved, it was just this real epiphany like, yeah, I'm, I'm not the same as everybody in my high school. And that's cool. That's cool, you know. So yeah. it was really it helped bring me into myself, if you know what I mean, and my identity, my my truer self than trying to fit into a pigeonhole that society made for me or that was expected of me. It really broadened my horizons. So yeah. it's gotta be pretty surreal thinking back to that moment now and oh, kind yeah. of reflecting on it and, and as you say, how it's sort of shaped your 
your journey and you know what you've built your career on right? yeah it's really funny because there are certain moments and even at dr disc there are certain moments that sort of verified the path that i took as far as a career you know it's not not really much of a career when you talk about a career people are talk talk about doctors lawyers <laughs> and, you know you are a doctor i thought well, it's, uh, yeah, that's good absolutely. i like that i like that uh but you know it's 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 a rewarding career emotionally and it's fulfilling it's not you know if you look at my bank account i'm sure i could have made more money betting on dot coms or something i don't know or playing the stock market but I, I like the interaction and i like selling music to people who respect and admire music and anybody who walks in the door doesn't matter if they're like a van halen fan or if they like tiffany or if they like any kind of music there's that commonality there that they respect and ad, appreciate music and so already i have this sort of common bond with whoever walks through the door which is a neat feeling and um so I, I i really feel that like the concerts like that and these little experiences like that sort of validate me from time to time and say yeah you're doing the right thing even though you're not making a million dollars an hour it's the right thing that you should be doing well isn't that that's the old cliche right if you love what you do you never work a day no in your it's life. true it's, and it, it is absolutely true and i i think I, well i won't speak for you brent but i know myself at the festival and working back in oh, music, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I, I went to school for music and, you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about those things that make you unique in music mm -hmm. and things. And, uh, I, I think I've even told this story on, on a previous episode, but I, I studied jazz and, uh, what I loved about it was, uh, you could take an iconic song, but there was still room to make it your own, right. bring yourself oh, yeah. to it. And here's your chord sheet and mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, and I always remember in university going through my jazz programs and just loving that aspect of it. Uh, but then, you know, you would be uh, you'd sit down in front of a piano and they'd say, OK, well, this is Beethoven. You will play it exactly as it's written. Deviation from that. And suddenly you're losing marks. Yeah, and I remember yeah, yeah. feeling that rigidity. Right. Within right. It. And Restrictions. It, it actually, yeah. And it, yeah. it turned me off of music for a while. Yeah, like, yeah. I hung up my guitar. I, I put away all of my instruments and was like, I don't really even want to do this. And yeah. coming out of university, I, I just kind of walked away from the musical scene. But I think it was this this re-engagement mm -hmm. into uh you know getting out of the mainstream sure. stuff and learning about indie music and mm -hmm. what's out there and the different genres and i mean i was raised on everything from simon and garfunkel to you know uh, metal like it mm -hmm. and, and everything in between and, and that's where i'm at now is uh it's i just love that you can put on and some of these versatile artists i know i always talk about Corey taylor you know you can go from slipknot to stone sour and these different you know, like a city in color and, and the guys from there and like these genres and the things that these these artists are doing and kind of breaking the mold and experimenting in new ways. And nobody's really just I'm rock. Right. You right. Know, there's yeah. no one genre anymore. People are all over. And I, I love that. personally. I, I think that's the fun in, in uh, discovering music now sure. is, yeah. is, it is, is it is so varied. Mm -hmm. And for us, you know, daily around this table at The Sound of Music, we have to sort of you know, park our personal bias about yeah. what we'd love to see on the stage at the festival and realize that, you know, we need to try some new things sure. and, and we need to see some different artists in a range of genres and styles. Uh, your lineups are always yeah. killer. Like I'm just, sometimes when you do your announcements for the festival, my jaw just drops. I'm like, what the heck? These well, guys are playing in Burlington. You know, Mark, I'll tell you, probably the most rewarding piece for me and, you know, my whole career, regardless of what industry I've worked in, mm -hmm. has always been about connecting with people sure. and, and building relationships mm -hmm. and to be able to stand backstage or even 
side stage this year at the festival <laughs> and look out and see eight or ten thousand people in the crowd. I saw some of your Instagram yeah. pictures, oh, like, man, a, the, like a kid in a candy store. Oh, oh, yeah. People are going crazy yeah, out there in the yeah. park, and we've got this killer band yeah. just crushing it on the stage. Yeah. And we can say, you know, we we did this. Sure, yeah. we, we're we're bringing this to mm-hmm. the people. We're presenting this to the community, and it, it's just so rewarding to be able to give people those experiences. Yeah, and once again, with that live festival or live concert feel or experience, it's a once in a lifetime. That moment can never be repeated for those thousands and thousands of people in the audience. It's theirs, you yeah. know. And you know, I always I, I view concerts as you know, you can. It depends where you stand, who you're standing near. Oh, yeah. You get the sights the smells the just the whole sensory experience there's nothing else like it even if you listen to you know if you recorded burlington sound of music and played it back for somebody they wouldn't have the same experience that you personally experienced by being there and seeing it live so that's why to me live music the live music experience is so visceral and so important yeah when we uh grandson this year he stole the show for me that (laughs) that kid is way too talented oh wow he was up there and uh, he did his song Bloodwater, which was his, his big hit. And so this was his first ever headlining gig. Wow. And uh, so I'm standing right up at the front, leaning against the stage. And, you know, he's got that part where he breaks it down. And what you going to do when there's blood in the water? And I turn and look at the crowd and 8,000 people lost wow. their minds. Wow, 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 <laughs> And that was so yeah. cool. Like yeah. it, it was. It was. And it was that. It was that unique experience, but it was a shared experience. Yeah. It was yeah. so cool yeah it works on so many levels live music i oh, love it it really does so uh mark we uh we wanted to do a couple fun things while we've got you uh on the show okay so uh which one what, what do you want to start with here brent let's let's do some uh little lightning round q and you want to hit them with a lightning yeah, round? That's fine. okay you're not yeah. allowed to think of these answers so, okay. <laughs> some of these questions are a little silly there's only 10 of them so we're gonna uh we want to we want to get to know you a little bit more so. i'll do my best all right brent take it away all right so uh best concert you've ever seen i'd have to say shriek back that uh show and actually somebody pulled the the i think it was at the diamond club and uh in toronto and they used to post uh photos of the concerts and my old university chums or high school chums pulled that photo because i'm in the audience they ripped it off the wall and brought it back to me in a frame amazing nice. yeah amazing. uh first live concert you went to uh teenage head believe it or not nice. yeah and Nice. Barry, Ontario, nice. blew my mind. Hey, I'm from Thunder Bay. I these small town gigs, this is a big deal. Yeah, big deal. Uh, first album you ever purchased? Deep Purple Machine Head. Nice. Yeah, nice. got me playing guitar. I played a little guitar. I, I know you sort of said, "Oh, do you play any guitar?" And I haven't really <laughs> since high school, so I, I don't. But that's sort of got that smoke on the water riff got me playing guitar. Uh, I think that started most people. There you go. There you to go. Play guitar. Yeah. Uh, most interesting celebrity you've ever met. Wow, that's a really tough one. Um, I don't know. Stephen Page from Bare Naked Ladies to deliver his nice. indie cassette went back in the day to Doctor Disc. So uh, hey. a nice guy. I I love BNL. I was uh, I was a huge. Oh, fan. cool. I'd say most interesting. I'd say Jello Biafra. So uh, from the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, he's, he was in town. We brought him in town for a speaking engagement at Mohawk College. So we hung out. He, he liked me. Stayed over at my place, and he's a really interesting guy. I actually took him to Niagara Falls on Made of the Mist. I have pictures somewhere on a hard drive somewhere of him <laughs> yeah, like, awesome. with a backpack on and those silly ponchos. Yeah, yeah. amazing, yeah, crazy. Uh, all right, this one is uh, fill in the blank. We sure. love this one. Taylor Swift is a goddess. Whoa! I think she's great. Wow. I think she's the queen of pop music. I think she's the best pop songwriter going right now. Nice. nice. Uh, now we're going to get a little more ridiculous. Invisibility or super strength? 
Wow. I'd say invisibility. I'm not yeah. I'm not too aesthetically pleasing, I find, so I'd rather fade in the background sometimes. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I, I'm just glad there's no visual component to the podcast, actually. So that's my invisibility. Let's move on. <laughs> I got burnt blushing. I don't know uh, why. Yeah. First celebrity crush. Wow. Farrah Fawcett. Oh, yeah. 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 I had uh, her poster on the wall. Yeah. Uh, say a word for us in Spanish. Uh, encantado. Uh, what does that mean? It means nice to meet you. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Nice. I'll use that next week in Cabo. There you go. There you go. Um, what are you having for dinner tonight? <laughs> I haven't planned it out, but I've been eating a bit more vegetarian. I guess I'm pescatarian. Okay. So I think on the agenda tonight for dinner is uh, some kind of stir fry. Okay. Uh, where are we here? If you could ask your pet a question, what question would you ask your pet? Well, uh, my girlfriend has a cat. I don't have a pet myself, but I would ask Clementine, the calico cat, why she bites toes in the middle of the night. <laughs> I had a cat that used to do that. That is the strangest answer. I've ever <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't expect that one at all. Not at all. Yeah, so we're going to go back to music again. Which album do you wish you could erase from musical history? Um... I, I guess they all have a place. There's not really anything I hate. I, I worked with a person, uh, John and Dr. Diskin, when, when in London, and he said every album somebody's favorite album. So I don't really have anything that nice. could be erased, I guess. I like that. Uh, yeah. ju- I'm just going to jump in and share that sure. the first album I ever bought was actually uh, Color by Numbers, by oh. Culture Club. Okay. The very nice. first thing I bought. That stands the yeah. test of time for me. Yeah. Nice. You know? Uh, okay, last question. Uh, who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh, Please wow. say me. Please say me. Brent Kinnaird. <laughs> Brent Kinnaird. <laughs> I was thinking like Brad Pitt oh, or no. uh, George Clooney. Wouldn't the person have to be Asian, though, technically? Well, like, or is there CGI? Or is that involved? It's all good. Oh, there's oh, CGI. <laughs> You're just a CGI character yeah. not played by anyone. <laughs> I don't like either of you. <laughs> <laughs> what? I gave you the leading role, man. You did. Thank you. Okay. You know what, though? I'm going to use that to transition into our throwdown challenge here. So uh, you have a record store. Mm-hmm. You are Dr. Disc. You are Mr. Music. Here we have um, Mr. Brent, who thinks he's Mr. Music. So uh, I want to, because we, we would normally, we would do a segment of Teach Brent Guitar. But oh, okay. Since we can't do that today, we're going to have a little bit of a, a musical showdown. You'll have to edit this out. I'm terrible. I'm very niche now. Oh, no. This is not going to be edited. Oh. We've gone... <laughs> <laughs> we've gone... Uh, th- there's there's some pretty mainstream stuff here. So I have a few obscurities. Not too many. We won't do them all. Uh, but I'm going to play you a clip from a song. It's usually the intro. It will be the intro. And I want each of you to tell me what that song is, and we'll see who can get it first. Okay, the caveat know. being I don't listen to any mainstream music, so I'm kind of out on those ones. But well, there's nothing like and, and then let the host win is always a good uh, a challenge or policy for me. excuses already. Yeah, I know, it's good. I thought it was let the guest win. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, you ready, gentlemen? Is there any sure. Van Halen in this first? Let's just... Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, okay. okay, go. Are you ready? This is up Brent's alley. Wow, I should know this. Yes, you should. Oh, uh, this is uh, Tesla. This oh my is, gosh. This is Tesla. Um, man, I can't think of this song. It would be Modern Day Cowboy. Cowboy, wow. thank you. Wow, wow, wow. It's one for Brent. All right, here we go. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> See, I don't listen to mainstream music, except for the Odd Taylor Swift album. Uh, I feel like I 100% know this. 
Is this like Mbop? Is this Mbop? Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, handsome. Back to the 80s. Yeah, it sounds 80s. It seems like it's off the Ghostbusters soundtrack. No. Man, this is terrible. I do an 80s night and I don't know this one. Oh, my gosh. No. Totally out. Oh, no sisters idea. Sisters are doing it for themselves oh, by the Eurythmics. Come oh, on, man. really? I'm, I'm, this is terrible. Yes. No, you really got to edit this out. I'm, three, I'm down three here. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, well, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Oh, yeah. Rent. <laughs> See, I'm Mark, terrible at come this. Come on, Mark. I'm terrible at this. Come on now. Really, Joe? Oh, uh, we didn't start the fire. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Come on, Mark. Come on. I'm Gappin, man. Remastered in 1999. Oh, my gosh. It's Van the Man. Van the Man. Nice. We're gonna give it to him. That sweet thing. Sweet thing, yeah. Morris. Yeah, At least they got on the board. <laughs> go, Brent. Tragically hip. And there you the go. song is Bob Cage. It is. Oh yeah. Bob Cage. Oh yeah. Oh, here's a, here's a good. Yeah, this is. Uh... She uh, even spells her name correctly. Yeah, it's Alana Miles. Miles, yeah, it yeah. Is Alana Miles. We'll split that one. Well, yeah, I'm going to give you both a point on that. Okay. One. Uh, love this song. Give a little hint. <laughs> it came off of the Rocky Horror Picture soundtrack. Oh, yeah. So I'm out. Halloween. Wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I only played the Time Warp off. Also located on the best of meatloaf. Oh yeah, this would be hot patootie. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the album I wish was never made, and I'm gonna say that out of now because I hated that record. (laughs) Thank you for that. Oh, this is obviously Uh, hometown boys, right, Mark? Oh yeah. Well, it's not a little car. It's a. That's a monster truck. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm so terrible at this. Uh, next time those guys are in the store. Yeah, I get... I get. Uh... I thought I'd throw in some good old DJ music oh my from God. the 90s. Oh, jeez. DJ Jazzy Jeff from Fresh Prince. There it is. Oh, my God. Do you remember this? And then uh, Nightmare on My Street. Sure oh, yeah. Great tune. Okay. This one's uh, digging a little deeper. In beautiful, in beautiful, that would be Roll Me Under by Stone Temple. Oh, wow, wow, wow. We're going to do a couple more here because uh, <laughs> Mark's got to try to redeem himself. Oh, yeah, I'm just terrible. Come on, gentlemen. And you're both fans of music. Mm. Oh, jeez. Oh, Janis Joplin. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Is this the original Queen? 
Oh, no, it's not. Oh, my God. Here's the other album I wish wasn't made. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to give Mark uh, advice on that one. All right, Brent's only ahead by two now. Oh, my God. Oh, Outcast. Brent's ahead by one. Oh, my God. Mark's coming back. Coming back. Here we go. Oh, I don't know what just happened. That was the Smiths as soon as now. Look at that. Wow. Wow, that's one of my favorite songs in Damn. the world. That so. was like a <laughs> <laughs> All right, that tied it up. That oh, tied no. It up. Here we go. Anybody. Oh, I know the song. Going out on tour with uh, Green Day and Weezer. Oh, uh, no. See, I don't... This is, this is probably in this decade, so... <laughs> I think this is probably 2000s. Oh, is it Jump by Van Halen? <laughs> it, is, it is not. It is my guilty pleasure. Oh. Follow Boy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. know what you did in the dark. No point given. Oh. Oh, my Do, God. We have funky to have tiebreaker. Is that what it is? Flips in Funky Town? It looks like yeah, I know all the dance tunes, man. Mark pulls into the lead. Okay, I'm going to give you guys two more. Two more. Okay. Wow. It's all on me. I don't know why that one's not playing. That's called Dead Air. By Sound of Silence. By... Oh, that's Barry oh, Nicholas. Brent's got it. What's the song? Uh, it's uh, Line in Bed Like Brian Wilson Did. There you go. Brian, What's Wilson. The... Brian Wilson. Yeah. All right. Here we okay, go. so we're it's down to this, You're right? Tied. Oh, my God. This is it for the win. Wow. Are you ready? It's on shuffle, so I don't know what it's going to be. Oh, wow. Here we go. Oh, it's Kim Mitchell. Oh. Patio Lance. Hey! Brent takes it. All right, Brent. That was a good battle. That was good. Good battle. I made the comeback, uh, but uh, missed some bad ones, or obvious ones. The comeback was quite real. I liked that a whole bunch. Uh, I really did. That's fun. Now, we've got another fun thing sitting here on the table in front of us that we were going to play with, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, So what what have you brought here? Well, I got a little mini turntable. uh, Every Dr. Disc, uh, it was a small family-owned chain, and each had their slightly different identity, and what I brought to the Hamilton store along with a lot of records, was sort of the DJ culture because I was a DJ in London. So I brought a mini turntable here, and I, I want to teach Brent how to do a little scratching. We gotta, so we need to make like a new intro thing. Teach Brent scratch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a long way from teach Brent guitar. And, uh, you know, I mastered the G and the C add nine chords and a couple of strumming patterns oh, okay. in the last couple of weeks. Okay, so, good. You so know, you I'm, were starting from like ground zero. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm getting my footing, but... Here we go back into throwing me in the deep end of the pool again. Maybe this will be your new calling. Maybe there you this go. This is what you've been waiting for your whole life. It could be. Well, Mark does have a roster of DJs that he yeah, works for various I do clubs, a little. I have so, a little agency, so maybe uh, DJ BK is the next thing. DJ That's the Burger King, is that? <laughs> you do like burgers. So. Let's just get to the lesson. Let's okay. just All right. get to the lesson. All right, what are we going to do here? Well, I've got a classic record. It's a much-sampled record uh, by Fab Five Freddy called Un Sale Histoire. And what it is, is um, it's been, it's, you'll, I'll play the whole thing for you. Uh, it's a sample on the end. And when I say sample, back in the day, uh, DJs didn't have that technology. So what they did was they repeated parts of records i.e. sampled them but they did it all manually so we're going to do a little manual thing so the the whole sample is as follows or the whole piece is as follows so a lot of djs i'm winding it backwards now a lot of djs will scratch that beep you might have heard that and all you have to do brent is this little red dot here i put on here sort of marks 
as soon as it the dot sort of comes in lined up with the needle lined up with the needle that's where the noise starts on the record so if you move it back and forth if you move it faster the the noise is higher pitch if you move it slower and then if you vary it so do you want to try the beep so it's really like put the needle on the record yeah okay i'm gonna get you to somehow come over here and the turntable is going to want to rotate this way, so you have to sort of get the angle that I'm doing it here. There you go. All right. All right. So Brent is now putting his hand on the record, and you just don't bump this. Just go back and forth. Whoa. Oh, Home run he's a natural. Gate. Home run out of the gate. How's that? That's so, not bad, actually. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. I told you. It's you not bad. I used to do a little uh, break dancing. Back <laughs> in the day, so, you know, put the cardboard out on the schoolyard and... That is awesome. So let the record go, and we'll okay. scratch on the fresh. Okay. So now uh, the dots change position, obviously, but just wor- watch where it is, and then grab it. And you can let it go fresh, and then bring it back. Okay. Can, okay, you, so, can you demonstrate so. that one more time? Okay, go for it, Brinsky. Okay, so... Brinsky. What, am I doing this right? Yep, a little more. There you go. And let it go. Give it a little push. Yep. Okay, wind it backwards. Okay, right there. Okay. So, so do a little wiggle, and then I'll let it go and give it a little tiny push. Oh, a little more. Okay. There you go, right there. Whoa. Yeah, baby. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Fresh. Fresh. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm always thoroughly impressed when you do these things, Brent. Uh, Mark, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The first time that we did teach Brent guitar, mm-hmm. I was really hoping he was going to mess it up badly because oh. that would have given me like two weeks of joy for right. the next one. Right, right, right. But then he like crushed it right out oh, of the wow. gate. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. It wasn't fair. Wow. It's kind of like now, like that went a lot better yeah, than yeah. I thought it was going to. Yeah. Keep me too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> great job, Brent. I mean, great job. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that was kind of cool. I mean, I, I, as you know, I'm a, a big fan of your, um, uh, 80s uh casper mm-hmm, nights mm-hmm. um and uh my wife and i and some friends have had a good time coming out several times to those and it's you know i always watch you up there with some admiration kind of think you know that'd be kind of fun to uh, yeah. give that a spin so literally yeah no thank, it thank uh, it, it does require a good ear and some listening and some yeah. manual dexterity and you're putting together listens. yeah so, so let's just <laughs> let's just recap i listen no i have a good ear uh-huh. yeah and i have some amazing manual dexterity i think so right. i think so let's ask yep. uh your wife all of those questions oh <laughs> wow she says yes to any of them i think she would um She's t- nice. tell us about these retro 80s nights because that sounds like a lot of fun yeah we uh it's the first saturday night at, of the month at the casbah so it's once a month on the first saturday at the casbah our next one's november the second and it, we're celebrating our fifth anniversary of doing these retro nights and so we've got um we, i've got uh we've got a mutual friend marty edwards who has a delorean and no. his his buddy has a delorean so it's our back to the future themed um risky business 80s night our fifth anniversary and there will be two DeLoreans parked out front. And nice. one's tricked out exactly like the Time Machine version in nice. Back to the Future. And then um, just, it's really neat because, you know, we were all talking about the musical experience. So people who haven't been before might not have heard. Our, our, and when we do 80s, we don't do a lot of cheese stuff like Footloose or something. It's more uh, along the beaten, off the beaten track. So a lot more sort of new wavy tracks or more obscure stuff. And we do drop the occasional 
of Van Halen when Brent Brent's in the house. Yeah, you have, thank you. Yeah, and um, but what it is is people come in and they haven't heard these tracks in a club in thirty years or maybe never. Um, we get pretty deep into like Bauhaus or you know Tones on Tail, well, same as the Bauhaus, almost or, or older material that you wouldn't normally hear in a club. A little more industrial sometimes. So people really enjoy it because not only is it nostalgia, but sort of. You know, they can live vicariously, you know, through the nights sort of going back into their youth as well. So our, our, our average age crowd goers, maybe 35 to 40. That's it's crazy. yeah, it's a mature crowd. People just come to dance and have fun. There's no, you know, it's not like Hess Village at all. It's just a really fun, nostalgic time with a little bit of cheese added in there. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. It is a lot of fun. A Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, we've got an eight foot Stay Puff Marshmallow Man and Jabba the Hutt on stage, like these big inflatable lawn ornaments on stage and we're, we'll be um, looping uh, the Back to the Future films. Uh, there's a projector screen there and we're giving out like 80s glasses and glow sticks and stuff. And so it'll be really fun. That's that is cool. Saturday, so November 2nd. November that 2nd. Yeah, at the Casbah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. very cool. Now you you have a whole roster of DJs that you kind of send out there too, don't you? Yeah, I was getting, uh, what happened was I retired from the DJ game early on in the 90s because the store got to be an ongoing concern. And I just didn't have the time or energy to work up you know seven days a week like i was uh, when it first started going and then go out on the weekends and do djing so i retired and sort of came back and um I guess I'm still relevant, which is good. I just play vinyl. I don't uh, do any kind of software or laptop or, you know, digital file playing. It's only vinyl. And I get, uh, I play out quite a bit. I'm at the Mule, the Capital Bar, and the Casbah, among other places. Um, But I always get asked to do weddings and things or corporate events, which I don't really want to do these days. So because I was asked so much, I formed a small agency. So what it, uh, I've got three people contracted to me, an additional other people that I know in case there's a, you know, I've got one guy who does his specialty soca and reggae. So if there's an event that needs that kind of music, I'll, I'll, I'll contact him. But it's the other DJs are well versed in almost any other form of or any form of music. And so depending on the um, event, I'll sort of slot one in there and their availability and away we go. So I don't like disappointing people. So if come, somebody comes up to me and asks for a function that I can't or won't do, I've got a f- sort of fallback. So I've got them all listed on my website. Here's djmark.ca. Beauty. And uh, now Brent was telling me you do some live music right in the shop too, don't you? Yeah, we do. Uh, during the summer, uh, to coincide with the art crawls, which are the second Friday monthly, the, the art crawls go all year round. But during the summer, we find that, you know, obviously because it's, it's weather dependent to some extent, there are large amounts of people walking downtown. We thought, well, how can we contribute as a music store? Because we're not right on the corner of Wilson and James Streets. We're just off the corner. And people sort of have their blinders going on up and down James Street a lot of the times. We, we said, well, we got to attract them somehow. So uh, coincidental with each art crawl, May, June, July, and August, for four months, we have bands on the roof in the evenings from 7 to 11 p.m. So usually three to four bands a night. So it's free. And there's we've got a lower rooftop, which sort of looks out onto James and Wilson area and a couple parking lots that surround us. But as soon as people see the music, it's almost like, you know, they're walking by a restaurant, the door open and they smell the food they're drawn to it so if and we've talked about the live music experience what's great about it is these bands and it can be anybody from you know we had harrison kennedy play this summer he's a veteran veteran uh decades long uh 
track record here in Hamilton and worldwide to emerging bands. So it's everything in between as well. And so these artists get a totally different demographic of listener or viewer uh, than they would say playing in a club or playing in any other venue. It's so random. You know, we get whole families coming over to check out the music. And what it does is if we try and make sure they've got some kind of physical product to sell. Um, so we try and stock it in the store. And if somebody likes what they hear while well, they see them playing live on a rooftop, they come in the store So and hopefully buy the product or support the shop. So it's awareness for us and hopefully translates into some sales. And because it's a free concert, it gives back to the community. Nice. And the main purpose of it, though, is to, you know, big up the bands that are playing on the roof, give them a little wider audience and, and hopefully get them some listeners. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. It, it speaks to uh, like that we were saying that whole experience. And I love that these these new kind of cool, different venues are popping up a lot yeah. more. And I mean, uh, you know, I personally uh, like the, the different breweries that are all doing oh, yeah. music and supporting all these local artists. And, uh, you know, we at Sound of Music, that's what we're trying to do a lot more is supporting local artists and local musicians. And so when you're not working, you're not in the shop. Where is your favorite place in the Golden Horseshoe to go check out tunes? Well, uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm pretty much, I can walk anywhere downtown now and sort of get fulfilled. And I really, I haven't honestly in the last couple of years, because my DJ schedule is getting heavier, I haven't been out to see a ton of live music, but my two favorite uh, venues in the city are Casbah and the St. Hollywood. Um, I find I don't, I don't want to say this on the Sound of Music, podcast but i don't really do a lot of festivals anymore i really like the intimate feeling of bands and that's all the time we have yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know i like the the fact that you can connect on a real intimate level in a smaller room yeah um but like i was saying before you guys the lineup (laughs) some of the bands you guys get it just blows my mind i can like i can't believe for free you know like people can go and see the breadth and diversity of bands that you guys bring it's just incredible well let's hope that uh 2020 doesn't disappoint we're hoping that we'll have some announcements coming out in the near future we've announced some country stuff so far oh that's cool uh high valley have you heard of yeah, these guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 the energy those guys bring to the stage is crazy yeah. like i'm not a huge country fan but mm-hmm. it's you know you have to appreciate good musicians and artists when you see them and yeah the energy that high valley brings is is amazing mm-hmm. yeah, i think that's the beautiful thing about uh working in this job and putting the festival together is you know, although I've kind of got my tried and true genres that I, I am very loyal to and, and always like to listen to, it's great to discover yeah. some new music all the time. And like a High Valley who mm-hmm. has a crazy fanatical following mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, are incredibly talented. And, you know, again, we get to put them up on the stage in Burlington, Ontario for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I, I when I heard first heard you were working with uh, Burlington Sound and Music Festival, I'm like, oh, that's just such an awesome pairing, uh, Brent, because you're you know you've been in music and you're, um, you know, it's not just Van Halen that you're fanatic about, you're uh, fanatical about. You're just a real music lover, and for that to be able to translate into a job, I'm sure you do some things that you know heavy lifting or accounting or whatever bookkeeping or I don't know what accounting. you do. I don't know what wow. you do like some administrative stuff. Let's put it that way. But for you to to be able to liaise and, and surround yourself with music. That's just such a great <laughs> job for you. Again, it blew me away when I heard you were working. Yeah, it, it really is a dream. And I think that's the thing that Miles and I share is yeah. we, we do sometimes sort of pinch ourselves. Sure. And go like the, this is our job. We, we get to work in yeah. this industry and we get to 
see and showcase some amazing, amazing artists. Oh, that's the thing too, yeah. Miles. Like you're obviously, I mean, I'm looking in this office and there's a guitar behind you. There so is, I mean, it's like, you know, you live, you live in walk the walk I, the walk uh, and talk the talk. So I've been a musician for about 25 years. That's amazing. I play everything you can think of. Uh, you know, none of it well. But, yeah, yeah. But I play it. And, uh, yeah, for me, music has always been the, it's the cornerstone of my life. Yeah. And we've said yeah. this on the show a few times that, you know, the, the old saying, nothing brings people together like music no, and food. That's true. And that's why some of the best parties happen in the kitchen yeah. with great food, great friends and music in the background. And, uh, I, I firmly believe we're, we're raising our daughter into yeah. music Good. and we've got her playing guitar now. And, uh, it, it can, it can just round people out in such a way that I, I don't know if there's anything else out there that can do that. You're really right. I, what I found in the past few years, you know, with, with the, the meteoric rise in popularity of the iPhone, what I found was people were isolated. So they're walking around with their phones and their headphones in, you know, um, and they're really isolated and, and sort of singular. And what I found in the last few years, like you said, it's like music can bring people together. So I remember one post Christmas, I had had three people come in on the same day to buy a turntable and every one of them said yeah i was at this and they weren't at the same party they said oh i was at my friend's house for new year's eve and we just they had a turntable in the middle of the living room and we all sat around just talking and drinking and we all each we rotated a choice and everybody picked a record out of the collection and played it. so it's got a social aspect to it too yeah. which we're remembering now you know it's like us sharing this conversation it's like all the concert goers who go to the Burlington Sound of Music and share that experience yeah you're an individual concert goer but when you're in this crowd you're sort of amongst friends because you're all the commonality is music and your love of music so yeah. it brings everyone together so it's just it really it's amazing it's, yeah it is cool and it is a bit of a dream job I I don't, uh, neither Brian and I, we don't do the, do you know who I am thing ever, but there was a moment at the festival this year. I think the headstones had just come off the stage. There was now, you know, 8,000 people out in the park and I really wanted a picture. Like it was right before yeah. live went out and I really wanted a picture of everybody. So I just walked out into the middle of the <laughs> stage. And as I'm going out there, uh, I heard one of the, uh, one of the, I think he was a guitar tech. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa buddy, you can't go out there. And one of the, uh, sound engineers goes, whoa, no, 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 he, he's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and cool. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I am okay. <laughs> did you and do I, a selfie or something? Or well, did you I, do... I just went right out front stage and I just snapped a picture of oh, the, the whole crowd, crowd oh, and wow, it was wow. cool. Like wow. it was, but yeah, you know, and, and even like backstage, like Hugh Dillon came walking up to me from the headstones and, and told us how he loves to play this festival. Oh, that's and, great. You know, I never thought I would see the day where Hugh Dillon is approaching me to right. be like, hey, thanks for hiring yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. What? No, thank you for being here, Hugh. <laughs> so in my head, Hugh Dillon and I are now best friends. Oh, wow. If you're listening, Hugh, I'll see you at Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, uh, it, it is. It's, I, I love music. It, 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 it just does things that I don't think anything else really can. I and agree. It's, yeah. it's funny. We're all sort of, uh, you know, once again, the commonality in this room's music as well. We come at it from slightly, everybody from a slightly different angle. But, uh, you know, here we are in this room talking and getting along, hopefully. And, uh, hopefully. you know, we've got a lot to talk about. And it's it's all because of music. You know, that's it the is. common denominator. So uh, turning our eyes a little bit to some of the kind of bigger, more mainstream news stories that are going on. Our buddy Ozzy Osbourne is going to put out a new album. And stop touring, which I say, yeah. thank God, the yeah. second one. Yeah. Uh, so I saw Ozzy a couple of years ago. He was uh, when he was back with Sabbath, right. and it was hard to watch. Yeah, it yeah. really was hard to watch. I, like, I get it. He is the guy. He's iconic. He's a legend. 
but it was tough. Like he, he doesn't really sing anymore. Yeah, he yeah. sort of talks to music mm-hmm. and he was shuffling around the stage and he had a big bucket of ice water that in between songs, he would dunk his head and then mm-hmm. come back out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he, Sharon Osbourne has said he's putting out a new album wow. next year. And, uh, then he's probably going to stop touring. I don't know yeah. how I feel about another Aussie album coming. Yeah, you know, it's when you look at the sort of demographic of the real first wave of you know rock and rollers or rockers, it's there. It's time. You know, it's the next decade. Yeah, they're, they're just going to be unfortunately dropping like leaves. Yeah, so it's it's really tough. And he, but you know, art Aussie's a true artist. How do you tell him not to make yeah, an album? Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I the last I him willie nelson like you know when they're talking about medical issues or breathing problems or something you're like oh man the last thing that guy should be doing is being on the road right (laughs) yeah well and it's interesting too talking about like the artists that are coming up i heard a thing on the radio the other day that i like had to kind of stop and go wait what did they just say and they're talking about greta van fleet and how uh oh greta van fleet sounds so much like led zeppelin and they don't want to be Mm -hmm. compared to led zeppelin but this uh, this radio host said, you know, I think Greta Van Fleet can really become what Led Zeppelin was never mm, able to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought, but I mean, Led Zeppelin is like they're one of the classics. Mm-hmm. They're an icon themselves. But this idea that, uh, you know, that sound can almost make its comeback and, and can really propel an artist into a, a whole new level of like what is classic and what is iconic and what are these next pieces and. You know, I, I get the guys from Greta Van Fleet. They want to stand on their own. They don't want to be compared. They do sound exactly the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting hearing them talk about this newer band in that context of like, these guys could be what Led Zeppelin never was. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because, I mean, to me, Led Zeppelin very much was. I don't think you can critique that band too much because they're so young. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, what was I doing at 2022? 20, I certainly wasn't, didn't have any kind Touring of ambition. To, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, to, to have the gumption and the oh, commitment know. and motivation to get a band together, to be that accomplished that young, yeah. I, I, I would give them a pass to the third. And I love them, honestly. I love their music. Yeah. I listen to them all the time. It's I think they're great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a real challenge when you, when you look at up-and-coming artists now. Um, I mean, it's just such a different era. Oh, you're right. You know, back in the back in the day, as we like to say, you know, the '70s and the early '80s. You know, these bands in California were playing clubs five sets mm-hmm. a night, five six nights a week, just grinding it out to try yeah, and get yeah. a record deal. Yeah. And now, you know, you've got uh, you know all of the the new uh, shows that are you know propelling these young kids that are 16, mm-hmm. 17, 18, American Idol, and others. Mm-hmm. Um, it just the opportunity that's available to young artists now, it was just never that way back oh, yeah. in those days, right? Yeah. And, and you're I, seeing a lot of the marketing too, that it is unfortunate that there are some, like who come from those shows, a lot of them are just being turned into products. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's there's no real, I don't know, musicianship. There's no artistry. It's just they're an amazing voice or they're, you know, they're easy on the eyes. And it's, I like, that's why I, I got really excited when Monster Truck came onto the scene because to me, they're, they're bringing back that classic rock, heavy mm-hmm. driving guitars, and like, and they look like they're having fun doing it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. e- even regardless of the style of music, for me, it's just if you're four people that can get in a room, yeah, and legitimately, very competently play your instruments and create songs, that I feel is kind of a rarity. It just sort of feels like music today is so much more 
manufactured. Oh, it is. It's more disposable than I think it's ever been. Um, you know, and the big elephant in the room or whatever is like social media. You yeah. Know? Like it's, it's how it used to work is like, Brent, you were saying, you know, you would tour, maybe get some notoriety, put out an indie release or have one sort of release under your belt and then you'd sort of pick up speed or get signed to a major label deal or a multiple record deal but it's just it's not like that today the record companies will only license you or or manage you or groom you if you have all your your ish together already so if you've got x amount of social media followers on facebook and twitter and instagram if you've already toured they want a finished product almost so Mm -hmm. more of the burden of of getting your craft perfected and getting it out there relies is the artist is reliant on it themselves, which is a lot harder to do Yeah, because all the financial burden is relying on the artist. And then, and then uh, a label will come along and say, Hey, that sounds good. We'll just, um, you know, distribute you worldwide and take a cut of your profits. So it's, yeah. it's a tough game out there right now. Well, and, and you get uh, platforms like Spotify that mm-hmm. are, uh, so we had Abby J hall, local oh, yeah. uh, young lady there. It's, uh, was on our show a couple ago, and uh, you know she was saying how easy it is. You finish your your song, and right. you just throw it up on Spotify, yeah, yeah. and there's no curatorial process right, to that. Right, right, it's right. you know I could write a song right now and throw mm-hmm. it up, and there it is. Mm-hmm, I can share mm-hmm. it, and people can hear it, and. You know, in a lot of ways, there's that circumvention of the, for, oh, I need an agent and I need a manager and I need to do all these things because they're starting to launch their own careers through these these platforms. But at the same time, I find that there's a lot of misinformation out there on, you know, there's I've met so many young people, especially through the festival, that mm-hmm. they think, well, I've got a great single and I wrote it <laughs> and I produced it and I put it up on Spotify. Yeah. Why am I not a celebrity? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, why am I not playing the main stage opening for Metallica? And why is this not happening? Right. And, you know, it is there's there's still a whole big piece of this industry that I think those social media platforms They've kind of confused it. A bit. Yeah, I think so. It's sort of an illusory because it, it just because you have you know a video's been played a million times doesn't make you a legit mm-hmm. performer. Yeah, you know it just could be what the kids call viral these days, and it yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, it just means for the you're the flavor of it's not even the week anymore. The flavor of the day. You yeah. know, so it's really it's really tough today and it because the it i mean it's fairer in a sense like you said you can create a song and instantaneously it's out there to the world but it's unfair to the artist because it's not real it's that they haven't worked for it and there's no sort of stepping stones a lot of the time so and those stepping stones are are great educators you know whether it comes to like oh i'm going to do a tour of three or four cities or you know if you're just propelled in the spotlight and you just assume that doors are going to open for you because of the number of views on your video you are sorely mistaken well and you must see this too with djs like i'm I'm going to assume there's a ton of people out there with an ipod and a pa system thinking they're a dj now yeah well we the the part of the djing just That'll like be me yeah wait, there you go well yeah. that'd be dj bk over there <laughs> NBK. but uh, part of the thing with djing or playing music is the psychology of it um so we there's a term you know bedroom djs where regardless of what you play you never leave your bedroom and you think you're you know god's gift to djs or god's <laughs> gift to guitarists but put in 
front of a live audience, that changes that dynam- dynamic tremendously. Yeah. So, for example, if you're a wedding DJ and people aren't dancing and you've been paid, you know, X amount of dollars an hour to get people up and dancing, what do you do? Yeah. You know, if you're a musician and your set isn't going well, I mean, if you're astute, you can change it up. You can, you know, you, on the fly, you know how to react to hecklers. So, I mean, you don't get that experience when you're just in your bedroom doing your own thing because it's so insular and so isolated that you don't get that immediate feedback which is so important to develop as an artist i absolutely. think absolutely i i emceed a, a wedding recently and the uh the dj when he set up he had like the he brought in just trunks and trunks oh, of stuff and he yeah. set up this multi-tiered there's wow. like you know digital scratch yeah. pads every, yeah. everything was everywhere wow, wow, wow. and but then you know he uh leaned over and he went click playlist and he sat back yeah. down and he had a drink in his hand. Wow. And I don't think I saw him stand up for the wow, entire wow, night. Wow, 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 wow. Meanwhile, though, he set up all this like amazing equipment wow. that I couldn't even begin to understand what half of it does. It might not have even been plugged in, but well, yeah, it was yeah. there. Wow. But then, yeah, he grabbed a drink and hit play and didn't stand up again. Oh, that was an idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're doing it all wrong. I'm telling you, an iPod and uh, PA, and we're done here. I'll it's... tell you, those records are getting heavy. I drag them all over to DJ, and they're really heavy. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah. So does scratching, does it damage records? Yeah, it's it's like every pass is like playing the record. So if you scratch for an hour, it's like you've played the record, you know, a thousand times. Okay. So, But the vinyl uh, is pretty resilient, and it'll take quite a bit of abuse. Like the record we were pra- practicing on today, um, you can hear the surface noise. It sounds literally like, you know, snow if you know what i mean like white noise when you when you when the 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 sample plays but it um still can play and you can still hear it so i mean and that thing's got to be 40 years old now so that's cool yeah that is cool i love that it's coming back i really do i Mm -hmm. want to see more vinyl and turntables and i love it and it's funny you can even get the turntables now that you plug them into your usb and you can capture the sound of your record into and put it on your ipod yeah some of them yeah. burn it di- to digital automatically and yeah. create a, a wave file or whatever that's cool yeah super convenient cool. so we are we are running out of time this has been fun though <laughs> oh good yeah. oh, oh good, good. Said, okay. was Woo. that the oh good we're running Woo. out of time no no oh, good this has been fun i'm glad i didn't disappoint don't worry mark <laughs> you still get the parting gift <laughs> it's true it is true and this is editable or editable uh, no this has been live <laughs> the whole thing is uh so uh, we have been joined here uh, by Dr. Disc, Mark Furukawa. Yep. Was I even close on that? Spot on, mate. Nice. I've been practicing. Brent had to phonetically, and it's I've been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, respect. Dr. Disc. Respect. Respect. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it, and great meeting you, and great to see you again, Brent. And I'm just honored to be a, a guest on the podcast. Uh, good, good to have you with us. It was, really This was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So once again, you've been listening to a Psalm session, and we are your hosts, Miles and... Hey, it's Brent over here. Hey, it's it's DJ BK. Oh, yeah. That's DJ it. DJ BK. <laughs> That's all we have time for. We'll see you again in a couple more weeks. Thanks again for listening. Take care, everybody.